Greetings in Jesus' name to each one here this morning. <clears throat> sure enjoyed the Sunday school class. That was very enjoyable and I enjoyed also the, uh, the singing. That was very good. You know, we, we come here in Jesus' name, the one who provides everything we need to be spiritually victorious. Aren't we glad for that? And, uh, <clears throat> you know, God made us for His glory. He made us to commune with Him and have fellowship with Him. And, <clears throat> but maintaining and having that relationship with Him took, a, took a, another route there in Genesis 3 when man sinned. And all of a sudden they found out, you know what? When I was living in sin, I don't have fellowship with God. And that was difficult for them to think about and work through. But you know, and ever since then, mankind has been needy and, and needing help. But God is a caring God that loves mankind. So, you know, the cross is so important in our lives. <clears throat> the cross is where Jesus shed his blood for each of our sins. And by his blood, there was forgiveness of sins. But a person can love the cross. They can adore the cross. Adore the cross, if I can get said right. They can love its provisions. But if they don't come to the cross, they're not going to feel the love from the cross. And its provisions will not be a blessing to them. So, you know, as we look at what God is and how holy he is and all present and all caring. And then we look how mankind are and we are. I praise God he's given us a solution to our problems. And uh, I'd like us to look by, start out by reading Romans 2. <clears throat> Romans 2, verses 4 to 6. Where he says, or despises thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance, but after the hardness and impotent heart treasure heart treasures up unto thyselves wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. And so I praise God, we can all praise God for his forbearance and care for mankind. And he's so long-suffering. But, you know, we can sit there and we can presume upon that and kind of live the way we want to live if we're not careful. But he said there, you know, really knowing how good God is and how much he cares about us and what type of uh, God he is. He's a God, holy God. Knowing the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. In other words, you know, we know how God good he is and he wants to fellowship with you. And me as individuals, and to have that fellowship, there has to be something changed in my heart, in my life. And it is repentance. It's repentance. And praise God we can have that and understand that. Because, look, otherwise, if we don't repent of our sin and our sinful ways, we're storing up wrath for the day of judgment. And that'd be, that, we don't want to choose that. We want to choose to follow God. And so repentance is is the gateway to the new birth and the kingdom of God. Now, uh, <clears throat> I thought we might get on that a little bit in our lesson. We had so many good things to look at. We didn't get to repentance. They preached repentance there in today's lesson. Mark 1, verse 4 says, And John baptized in the wilderness, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. What did that mean? Jesus' first message before he ever preached the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 4, 17, it says, And the time come, time, and that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So I praise God we can be those that know Jesus and follow him, but the only way we can do that is through repentance. And uh, what a blessing. It's a blessing from God that he made a provision that we can respond to his love and his provision for forgiveness of sin. But um, uh, just knowing that in our minds doesn't do us much good. I mean, it's better than nothing, not knowing it. 
But unless we respond to that in repentance, we'll never, ever know real, true joy and fellowship in Jesus Christ. And I praise God we can have that. Now, when it says in 1 Timothy 2, verses uh, 24 to 26, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle to all men, apt to teach patience, in meekness instructing those who oppose themselves. You get this where we are when we're outside of Jesus? In meekness instructing those who oppose themselves. If God, preventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by the will, by him at his will. In other words, and that's the way we are when we don't repent. That's the way we are when we should repent when he speaks to us. You know, we're taken captive of the devil. We don't always think of it that way, but that's the way it works. That's the way it is. You know, we can't change that. But he said he gives, but he gives us opportunity for repentance so that we can live in truth. In other words, so it's amazing. In other words, when we repent, then we can see things realistically, not tainted by the, the Satan working in our lives and in our minds to taint the whole picture of truth. And so all of a sudden we think we're doing okay when we're not. Okay, when we don't repent, that's what happens. But thank God we can repent and then we can and and then we can have a real picture of what God wants and how He wants us to live. We can see truth as it really is. So you know. Whenever we've given in to some longing or attitude or bad attitude or lust or slip up in our speech, pride or selfishness, you know, Satan allures us and he entices us and he for, and gives us the bait. There's always need for repentance. Praise God, there's always provision for repentance. In other words, we strayed from God in our lives to live righteously and holy, then we need repentance. Repentance, by definition, is a change of mind accompanied with regret and sorrow for something done and an earnest wish that it was undone. But the true gospel repentance or repentance unto life is sorrow for sin, grief for having committed it, and turning away from it with abhorrence accompanied with a sincere endeavor and reliance on God's grace and influence of the Holy Spirit to live in humble and holy obedience to the commandments of the will of God. You get that's a loaded statement. That's loaded. But I'm not done. This is the repentance which always accompanies true faith. We talked about faith this morning, didn't we? This is that repentance which accompanies true faith to which is, prom- is promised the free forgiveness of sin through the merits of Jesus Christ. Now that is loaded, but it's true. Every Christian here that's born again repented of their sins. If you didn't, you're not a Christian. It's just point blank. And thank God that puts us on the way to heaven. That gives us a, a, that puts us back in right relationship, an open relationship with Jesus, because then our sins are beneath the blood through repentance. But there, I've heard of shallow repentance. Or I wonder if they truly repented. And you know, that is a question. Because for repentance to, to work out, there's a lot of spiritual dynamics that happen in our own life that is, uh, that is such a blessing that we can have. And I, you know, it, it's such an unpopular dark doctrine, but it's such a necessary doctrine. It starts as, on our walk with Jesus. It starts us on our journey to heaven. It starts us having fellowship with Jesus. But then Jesus is the only individual who didn't have to repent after because after, he knew God and was with God and he was God. But, you know, we do, you know, uh, we need to repent fairly often. Well, maybe we need to repent every time we sin, just to put it point blank. Now, if it's only once a month, praise God. If it's every day, that's fine too. If it's needed, if it's several times a day, it's whenever it's necessary. Repentance is a gift from God to keep us in right relationship with Him. You know, so you know, in my opinion, uh, we need 
Thank God we can warm up to the thought of repentance, not warm up to the thought of sinning, but of repentance because that's God's provision for us. Uh, and I praise God it, can have, it's such, it has positive, such positive effects. For it says in Acts 3.19, it says, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And you know, you hear people say, oh, you know, I've heard people, my Bible reading isn't much. My, my Christian walk is kind of lame. Friends, if we've repented of our sins and we have forgiveness of our sins and we're walking uh, diligently following, putting effort in true diligence to follow Jesus and obey him and where sins are beneath the blood, friends, we have refreshment that comes from the presence of the Lord. And that's a blessing, friends. And, and everyone can have that. So, you know, we're people who need pardon and forgiveness of sins. We need that. We need eternal life. We need fellowship with God because we need somebody to walk in us and with us and help us. And there's a, a room with all those provisions in it. And there's a locked door. There's a locked door. And the only key that opens that door is repentance. The only way to get forgiveness from sin, eternal life, peace, and fellowship is through repentance. So nobody's trying to skirt the issue. It's the only key that unlocks the door for everything we need spiritually. Isn't it wonderful? But that starts us. I didn't know all the dynamics of the spiritual walk, but it's a start. Okay, it opens the door to say we can have fellowship with him. What a tremendous blessing. We need to remember we're saved through repentance. And the only way to maintain our walk is with God, is through repentance. And we, we are so blessed to know that and have that provision. And yet, sometimes we fail the grace of God. And then we need to enjoy repentance again. We need to enjoy that. No person will make it to heaven without repeated repentance. Might we write that down and look at it every now and then. I don't know why it is. You know, I, I hear things like, "How you know, I ask people, how was your revival means it was good, good. Anybody repent? Not a one. They may have had revival, but good revival comes through true repentance, actually. It really does. There's a lot said by that. So uh, there's more than just asking God for forgiveness. Repentance is a necessity for reconciliation to God. It's a necessity for reconciliation to God. Acts 17, 3, uh, 30 says, And the times of, his, of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. That's the message. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. So I tell you, it's one of the, it's one of the more unpopular doctrines in general Christianity, but it is one of the most important doctrines we can have and experience. And I just consider it a real privilege. So elements of, uh, repentance. I want to look at that. Now I tell you, I found something in the files and this was such a blessing to me. And, uh, David Hartzler and uh, Wesley, can y'all come forward? I have about 15 of these. About every other person can have one. Make sure every uh, uh, family at least gets one of these. So you will get to read my sermon. You will get to follow because I think, I tell you, I fold one of those up and put it in front of my Bible. Because so many times people talk about repentance, uh, but they don't get the full grasp of what really repentance is. Friends, God has a design for us to repent in such a way that it affects us dramatically for the good. I mean, we're changed for life. It's not just some sh little shallow thing uh, that uh, people do, you know, repent, and, and then they come up with this and that. Can I have the extras when you're done here? Because I'd like one of them myself now. <laughs> I gave them all out. I thought I had one here with me. And it starts out there uh, with conviction. Because, you know, we, we, that's what we need. I mean, that's what we need to have. Did everybody get one that would like to have one? Thank you. Appreciate that. And that is the process of convincing one of guilt, of sin, or failure of weakness by the Holy Spirit convicting the heart. It can come in many different ways, but God does convict mankind. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that, that 
that God don't let us just sin and then somebody has somebody else has to see it and say, now, now, so so and so, did you know you sinned? No. Aren't you glad that when when you do something wrong or you look and you think you have a bad attitude, you know, it, if you're walking close to God, have you noticed it don't take too long and you're smitten? You know what I mean? You, you feel bad. That really wasn't good. That's called conviction. That's the Holy Spirit working. Praise God for that. I'm, I'm so glad for that because otherwise we'd be on our own. Uh, and that would be so sad. It's a, it's a real blessing and we need it. Now what it says in John 16, 8, and he... And when he, the Holy Spirit, is come, he will reprove the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment. So when he comes in our lives, the first time he come in your life, he come as the convictor. And then afterward, he comes to comfort. It also means comforter and strengthener, okay? <laughs> I praise God for that, don't we all? Because uh, that, it's such a blessing. But he first comes to us in our sinful condition. He convicts us of sin. I thank God for that. Now I thank God that He keeps that up too. That when then when we then we fail His to follow Him faithfully, we we give in to the snares of the allurements of the world or the tempter around us. He does that. You know, I heard people say, "Well, you know, you know." I heard people say, well, "You know what you said? They put me on a guilt trip." Well, friends, if we're living in sin, that's the best trip you can have is a guilt trip. Now people don't, don't always act like that statement, but the truth is. That is a wonderful blessing from God that he puts guilt on you. There is no condemnation to those that walk in the spirit, but those of us that walk in the flesh and we give in to the flesh, friends, we have guilt and there's condemnation with it. And you ought to thank God. And you know, cause, you know, cause, you know, if you feel like a sermon is speaking to you and you kind of look, act like you're more like tucked underneath the bench. Well, maybe you don't act like that, but you know what? The preacher can see that and God sees that too. And, and you know what? When that's happening, you can thank God you're on a guilt trip. Yeah. And you have, thank God you have the privilege to repent. You're under conviction. Now, may I say here, some people like push confession. Because they want to change your heart. You want point six. And if you're going to have, if you're going to get to point six, let me tell you, where the change your heart, where you view your sin different and you have victory over that sin, it's not a besetting sin for you. You're not just doing this every day. You're going to have to, to learn how to experience. Hopefully you've already done it. But if you don't, God wants us to learn this morning how it should be done. Because these are Bible principles. Now, the only one that's a little iffy, sometimes there's not always restoration needed. Point five is restoration. Now, you know, and I think you always should desire to restore restitution. Excuse me. <laughs> I was saying the wrong word. It's restitution, but that brings restoration. Uh, but it's restitution. Sometimes you need to, a lot of times we always try need to try to do to uh to bring out restitution, but the fact is, that's not always. That there's plenty of sins we do that don't, that don't hit that bracket. The other five things, friends, if you don't do, if we don't follow this, you will sin way more than God ever need, planned for you to sin. If you truly do this, you'll come out a changed person. You'll come out of this process a changed person. Not that you won't sin, but you'll sin a lot less. And your, your, your pilgrimage, your spiritual pilgrimage, you'll have a lot of victory and a lot of peace. And you'll be a glowing example of God's grace in your life. That's what we're here for. And I tell you, friends, it comes through proper repentance. It comes through heartfelt, humble repentance. It is a work of God in our lives. And I praise God we can have that. So it also says uh, there acts... 237 is another good one. And when, and, and when they heard this, this is when Pentecost come and, he, and uh, Peter gave that good message, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? You know, in other words, they were stepped on their toes. You ever heard that said? Or have you ever said, boy, they stepped on their toes? Well, really, so that's when Jesus pricked in the heart, you know what I mean? And you finally feel a little bad about it. Yes, pricked in the hearts. You know, you know, you, you know, we have that at times when we hear a good sermon, we hear something said, and you know, we get, uh, 
well, we, our heart just starts not feeling quite right. You know what I mean? Friends, that's what God wants. That's his kindness to us. That's, that's what he wants us to, to understand. He said, I care about what you're doing. I care about that you're missing the mark. Yeah, we generally have all kinds of excuses. And we generally have uh, uh, plenty of things to justify. Oh, you know, if you just worked around the people I work around. Oh, you know what I mean? We have, but no, he still speaks to us because he cares about the way his children live. And he, he wants them to live with their sins beneath the blood. And they don't have to live with that. You don't have to live, excuse me. Then, when the conviction comes, a godly person has godly sorrow for sin. Or they won't be sitting there making excuses like we was talking about here all of a sudden. Oh, that does separate my fellowship with God. You know, many times we try to kind of tuck in our sins or justify them in some way or shape or form. And the next thing you know, our spiritual life is kind of, well, it's not very zealous. We have to just whip it up. You know, we get, but look, God says, look, put them, get your sins where they need, you have God, they start separating you from God. And that is, as I think it says here, is a sense of shame for my sin before God that results in remorse, regret, and grief. Accepting, accepts responsibility for that which one has been convicted of and moves him to confession and change. And that's what needs to happen. In other words, you don't, you don't read any justification or accusing others. Anything, it, it's when God speaks, they accept it. And I have done this. I was wrong and I regret. I have remorse that I did this because it's affected my fellowship with God. Friends, that is missing in general Christian. That step is so much missing. It makes a world of difference. And if we're going to really repent and we're going to come out with a change of heart, this is a tremendous, this is something that we must start to grasp. My sin separates me from the fellowship with a holy God. It absolutely does. But that shouldn't alarm us. It should just get us to the right position to have good, humble repentance. Okay? Because then repent, praise God, that you and I, irregardless of how many times we've done this sin, or irregardless of how huge it was, or irregardless of how small you let the devil make you think it was, that sin separates me from fellowship, but it can be through confession and and, and responding to the guilt and asking, acknowledging God, asking God forgiveness of sins, it can be neat the blood and my relationship can be with God and others as if I had never sinned. And that's a miracle. That is beautiful. And it's there. That provision is right there. Godly sorrow. Second Corinthians 7 verses 9 and 10. Now I rejoice, nor that not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. Yeah, they had, a, they had a real problem, sin problem there. For you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death so many times. People were sorry that they got caught. They're just sorry that they look bad. Well, they, we do look bad when we sin, don't we? Yes, we do. And, uh, you know, but we don't need to be sorry that we got caught. I praise God that we can rejoice that he loves us. We can rejoice that he's calling me back to him. We can rejoice that he's exposing in my life what is hindering my fellowship with him. We can rejoice in that. Yes, godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation. How beautiful. Peter is a good example where he said in Matthew 26, 75, and Peter remembered the words of Jesus when he said unto him, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. This is so, so much uh, missing. So many times in repent, uh, in repentance experience, yes, they come, 
seems like they confessed sins and you wonder how sincere it was and they turn right around and they they don't seem to care and they're doing it again and again. That don't need to happen, friends. If when we're convicted, we have a godly sorrow of what that sin has done with my relationship to him and to others many times, friends, it can, it can change us dramatically. Now, the next is confession. Uh, when we're under conviction, we have godly sorrow for our sin, we'll want to confess our sins. And that, that is a wonderful opportunity we have. And that's acknowledging God's word and his ways is right and declaring himself, declaring myself to have been wrong or having done wrong, declaring it to God and others as far as it is knowing. This is one of the hardest things to do to acknowledge wrong when it's so easy to excuse or blame others, etc. cetera. Uh, you know, we tend to downplay our weaknesses or we just confess, you know, we just, you know, just confess your sins. Well, I praise God, if we want true repentance, there's more, that is an integral part of getting right with God. There's no question about it. It's a very integral part. But it's also, also, it's not a trite part. It's not a trivial matter to confess our sins because if we're under conviction, we have a godly sorrow for what happened. We'll want to confess that sin. You know, there was times of worship in the scripture where a major part of worship was confession. It probably would still bode our walk with God better if that was a more important part of worship. Confessing. Confession. Yeah. Jeremiah 3.13 says, Only acknowledge thy iniquity that thou hast confessed uh, transgressed against the Lord thy God and hast scattered thee ways to the strangers under green trees and ye have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. Yes, confessing to God is critically important and then to man. Proverbs 28.13. You probably already know this in my heart. We should. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whosoever confesses and forsaketh shall have mercy. Aren't you glad for that? The strength of sin is when it's covered and unconfessed. That's strength. It lives in your life, and it will weaken you spiritually, and empower you to do wrong and not care. That's the strength of sin. When, when sin is exposed, and that means bringing conviction, and you start saying, yes, God, you're right. I shouldn't have done that. And words, your it's obedience to the Holy Spirit's life. Friend, sin loses its power. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whosoever is open to it, confesses and forsaketh him shall have mercy. Praise God we can be that. In fact, we should be abandoned believers that are confessing and forsaking sin as much as we need to. What a tremendous blessing. What a tremendous blessing we have. Now, what it says in 1 John 1, 9, if, we want to start out with if, because it's iffy, that's why. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess. Have you ever had a sin that the Holy Spirit spoke to you and you battled that? Not that many people saw that. In fact, you know what? I'm not sure everybody, anybody saw it. Oh, it didn't bother them. You know, they're just being sensitive back like that. You know what I mean? If we confess. Yes, James 5, 16 says, confess your faults one to another and pray one to another that you may be healed. Confess your faults one to another. Now, I've seen people that... Uh, they're better, it seems to be, at confessing faults than they are to man than they are to God. Because he said, well, you know, I said a little something wrong, you know, and, 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 and I said, well, you know, you should go acknowledge that to that person. I said, yeah, I have, I have. Have you confessed it to God? Some people don't do that. See, we will never be in a right relationship with God if we don't confess our sins to him. Access paramount. Now, some people just say, just say, I, you know, I, I confessed it to God. Well, now just a minute. <laughs> That's a good start. Confess your faults one to another. Why does the scripture say that? Because it's good for you and it's right. 
You know what it does? It keeps you humble. You know, you're just as human as everybody else. I am too. Okay. I know you're human, but it's nice if we know we're human. Okay. Because that tends to make that light of looking at other people a little bit more level. You know what I mean? Now, we're mighty human. Confess your faults one to another. Not forgetting that it needs to be God first, okay? Not forgetting that. That's why I say that this could be a good spiritual exercise. Probably one that's highly neglected among a lot of Christians, actually. Confessing your faults one to another. You know, that you may be healed. That's part of the healing process. Yeah, it really is. It builds good brotherhood. True repentance always includes humble confession and its need as broad as its effects. Not, not all sin is just between me and God. Okay? I would be like, oh, you know, this thing's just between me and God. Friends, when, when we sin, we affect the brotherhood. Amen? That's fine. We need to remember. We've affected brotherhood. And we need to remember that. So I'll tell you, friends, it, it, when a person gets to that point where this journey is just all between me and God, you're, you're working against, militating against brotherhood. Also, you're setting up to have chronic sin. If you just think everything is just personal, just me and God, you're, you're, going, you're setting yourself up to have a mentality of chronic defeat. God doesn't want that for any child of his, I tell you. He doesn't want that. He wants us to know that you can be clear from me, between me and you, God speaking. You can clear that up by confession and being contrite. Now, you're, you're already contrite. You're already humbled. You're for, you know, you're already sorry for your sin. You, you got it. God got you in a right frame of mind. And so you're, you're coming to God humbly. God, I need your forgiveness. I need your help. You know, that bad, that was bad. I shouldn't have said that. That lust, that thought, that whatever, that hankering. I know that was wrong. You know, you're, you're saying it because you're starting to see it the way God sees it now. You're starting to see it in a different manner. You know, this isn't just a trite thing that I can live with. God, I need your help. And so you confess it before man. Hey, you know, I've done this. You might not have known it. And probably more people knew you had that problem than you ever dreamed of anyhow. And uh, then you, and then they pray for you. They support you. You know, that, that's the way it works. That's what God wants it to work. And then you know what? Then you have the strength of cleansing from God, forgiveness of sins. you you, you got a clear state. So you, you have that refreshment. You have all of a sudden you have spiritual vigor that you never dreamed of. You didn't have it yesterday, but you got it today because you repented. And praise God, what a tremendous blessing we can have. So you got spiritual vigor. I mean, you're rejoicing in the Lord. You're not down in the mouth. You're not lukewarm. You're zealous for the Lord. And in case something you whipped up and something comes from because of a clear relationship and peace with God. It makes all the difference in the world. And then you're talking to your brothers and sisters, and they know you have problems. And you know what? They know you have problems too, and it goes both ways. And we know you're confessing, so you're praying for each other that, that, that you'll be able to be victorious over this. And you know what? All of a sudden, you're going from victory to victory. It changes. The, everything is changed when a person starts truly repent the way God wants him to repent. And it's there as a provision for God. How wonderful. All it takes is willingness to be open to my prop, the proper view of my sin before God. That's, that, that's the starting key for it. Now, one of the wonderful effects is of, of, of repentance is forsaking sin. Forsaking sin. Now, you know, person, you know, they read about, oh, you know, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Well, if you, if you repent, and you're truly sorry and for your sin. You truly confess it. God will give you the ability to hate your sin. If, if you have, and, and I've been here before, a desire or, or not a true hatred for sin, repent of that sin the way you should, and you'll come out different. And that's what God wants. This, I'll tell you, this is a big key too. That is, turning away from sin and developing 
a godly hate and abhorrence for anything that mars our relationship with our loving Heavenly Father. By the grace of God and the power of His Holy Spirit, having victory over temptation and sin, making no provision for the flesh thereof, renouncing all of it, all that is contrary to the very nature of God. What a tremendous thing to realize for us as mankind and our frailty to be given repentance and forgiveness of sin. And then even, and this is part of this change of heart that we need. And now all of a sudden, rather than living in sin or excusing sin or enjoying sin even, he gives us a hate for sin because we know that it is against the will of God and it mars our relationship with God and it ruins his witness. It does a number of things. No wonder it says in Isaiah 55, 6 and 7, it says, Seek the Lord while you may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord for he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Let the wicked every time we sin, that's the bracket we're in. Let the wicked forsake his way. Romans 6, 1 and 2 and 12. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Dead, unresponsive to sin? How could you ever get that way? Through true repentance. You can't just whip it up. Friends, this is something from God that he wants to give every one of his children. Then verse 12 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Yes, it don't need to rain. He don't want it to rain. You can live victorious over that. 2 Corinthians 7 verses, uh, verse 11. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner, what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things you prove yourself to be clear in this matter. Repentance is more than just asking for forgiveness. It's hating and abhorring my sin. Now, you read that. Uh, Observe this godly star, it worketh in you a godly manner, what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves. Friends, there is nothing more precious to us really as a basic fundamental principle of godly walking with the Lord than have being clear and having true open-hearted fellowship with God. There's nothing. People will do all kinds of things to live at peace and harmony when really we get it through forgiveness of sins. We get it through repentance. We get it through repentance. What indignation. Now, I've seen people get pretty ignited about things and they get pretty upset, but how about God giving you and I from a sincere, humble heart an indignation to sin? Friends, if we don't have that, he wants to give it to you. He wants to give it to you. But it's not coming from a lackadaisical, half-hearted approach to Christianity. Friends, it is when we come truly repentant before God and God saying, look, I am sorry for my, I know I take responsibility for my sin. I am sorry. I despise it. You give me a hate for that sin. And I'm friends, I've never seen God not deliver when you ask for that. And I tell you, friends, when you get that stage, you're going to start having a lot more victory. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful what we can have. He wants us to do that. He wants repentance is more than just asking. It's for hating and abhorring sin. Psalm, uh, Psalms, uh, 119, 163 says, and, and this wasn't a radical Christian. He wasn't even a New Testament Christian. He was a good Christian, though. He says, I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. Psalms 97, 10 through 12. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. 
That's pretty short, but that's really sweet. That's really sweet. I'll tell you, friends, if we can live in this biblical principle right here, you'll have a good walk with the Lord. You'll love your walk with the Lord. You'll have a burning fire for God that you don't have to light up. It'll be there. It'll be there. Yes, you that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the soul of his saints. He delivers him out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Psalms 101.3. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It will not cling to me. I will not set any wicked thing before my eyes. You want a challenge in 2019? Live that lifestyle. Live that lifestyle. You want victorious Christian living? Live that lifestyle. Live that lifestyle. Psalm 119, uh, 104. There, through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Hmm. I believe this man knew repentance. And I believe he knew what it was to walk in peace with God. Yes. Praise God. If we truly repent, we got to forsake sin. And if we can't do it on our own, we do it with God's help. And He wants to deliver on that. Now, restitution. That's to pay back or to restore, to compensate, to build what has been torn down. And Exodus talks about this, you know, uh, you know, you got to give five oxen back and four sheep. And it's interesting to notice, uh, and God cared about repaying back, not one for one, but more than you took. And you know, uh, Zacchaeus did that in uh, Luke 19.8. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man false accusation, I restore fourfold. He was going back to the law. You know, if we confess to God and ask Him what we need to do and, and to make it right, you know, He'll give us peace. But we have to walk humbly before Him. You know, many a relationship has been messed up by our words or by our actions. And I wonder if we really make try to, you know, we, we, we want forgiveness from God. And, but we're, you know, it's kind of hard to tell some people. The devil always makes it hard, may I add, to go and clear it up the way you should. Maybe you found it to be easy. I find it to be rather much warfare. And to say, you know, it was, you know, that, uh, that time there when I, uh, said something that was a little, little unkind. Of course, we always like to water down. A little unkind had that little slip up, you know, um, you know, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. That's starting on, that's confessing one to another. And it's also starting for restitution. You know, if, I, if, if, if we could be humble enough to care about relationships and to care about what we say and do, to care about jealousy. You know, jealousy drives us to do strange things. And you know, a lot of times we don't see jealousy in our hearts. But we have it, you know, you know, I just, they just buy this and that. And, you know, you know, you shouldn't do it, but man, you'd like to do it if you could. I mean, that's the way we act sometimes or think, you know, if I just had that, their, their vehicles or their stuff, man, I tell you, uh, yeah, I know I shouldn't, but man, and we're jealous as everything. And, uh, you know, it bars relationships. In fact, it's a sin. It's a sin. You know what I mean? If we could just get over our problems, and the only way to get over your problems is to truly repent. This shallow stuff, you know, let's just, uh, you just get over it, friends. Repentance is the way you get over it. Okay? Don't water this stuff down. You don't, you know, if, if we could pull ourselves up by ourselves and just get over it, we would be very successful, wouldn't we? You know, but, you know, this pathway of true repentance isn't that terribly easy, is it? But it's right. 
And it's what God wants. I praise God we can be that way. Then, look, we're restored. We're going walk humble. We say the hump way to heaven is a humble way. Friends, if you're going to be, if we get repent the way we should, you're going to be walking the humble way. Uh, you, you'll just get a good grasp of it every now and then. Because we want that change of heart. We want to do what's right. Remember, repentance is a necessity for reconciliation to God. Remember that. It is a necessity for reconciliation to God. It's an absolute necessity. And uh, praise God for this privilege, okay? And now we have a change of heart. And truly, there's no question, if you go through points one through five, you will come out with a change of heart. You definitely will. But every day, if you skip two and four, you might not have much of a change of heart. You know that? If you don't have godly sorrow, and you don't want to pour sin, and I wonder, sometimes I wonder, and I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to grasp this, if I could just see the enormity, if we could just see enorm- the enormity of sin before God, how big of a transgression that is, I think it would help me a lot. I think it would help us all a lot. And see, when when we start grasping that, and you try, by God's grace, you're sorry for seeing it, and you want to forsake it, you're starting to get a little grasp of how God views sin. And then he'll help you. Change of heart. This would be for the initial repentance or repentance from chronic besetting sins. Now, in other words, that's really important to have a complete change of heart. It's from the enemy of God to the friend of God, from pleasure in sin to the lover of righteousness. And I'll tell you, friends, that can even happen after we've repented initially where we're sort of, you know, I've I've repented. I've been doing something for five years. They've They've been lying on the council card. Five years and they repented. You know what? They needed to come from an enemy of God to the friend of God. Praise God, that's what it does for us. And uh, from pleasure and sin to the love of righteousness, it focus changes from a desire of temporal things or selfish desires to uh, to a desire of eternal and spiritual things. You love spiritual things. It's submitting to a new master. He has new goals, new desires. Uh, to know God better, to follow Him. Repentance is a total change of heart, doing a 180 in your life and in your heart and your desire of life. Uh, I will jump down to uh, Ephesians 2, verses 22 to 24. 22 to 24. And where it says, And the idea put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is a corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Yes, there's all kinds of desires that are deceitful and they always look good and they're bad. And if you put off the former conversation, that old man, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Yes, God can give us a new de- desires in mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Yes, when God changes the heart and there's true repentance and he works in the heart, then there's peace. Then there's fellowship. Then there's strength to overcome. Get the sequence, okay? When where's that? When you ask God to forgive you and you've cleared up and you've done it a humble way and you're forsaking sin, you're having a godly sorrow, there'll be a change of heart and it'll have peace. It passes understanding. It'll have fellowship with God and it'll have strength for the next temptation. You'll have victory. What a beautiful, beautiful opportunity we have. I'd like to read a few verses there also from Colossians 3, verses 10 to 14, where it says, And having put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on therefore as elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ also has forgiven you, so also do you. And put on thee, and above all, these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. That is what we have after we have 
true repentance. The new man, which is totally a spiritual realm of strength and victory that cannot be obtained any other way than after having forgiveness of sins and a sincere heart to change. The results of a humble life that is uh, that is willing to repent when needed is spoken of in Matthew 3, verses 8 to 10. Bring forth, therefore, fruit, meat for repentance. Therefore, let your life be such that it shows that you have the fruits of repentance. That's beautiful. And that's what God wants for every Christian. Our lives to radiate of his power, his peace, and his power. And that comes through repentance. Meat, fruits, therefore fruits that shows evidence of repentance. I think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham as a father. Ha! Ah, I'm a good fisherman. I'm a good harsler. I'm a, I'm a good heat wool. I'm a good sword. Whatever, you know, shank, whatever you may be. No, 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 no. And now also the axe is laid into the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which brings forth not fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I praise God. We can be repentant. And we, because our, our, our claim of identity is the family of God. It's Jesus. When we truly repent, we live a life in much victory and, and, and that's what he wants. He gives us strength to overcome where it says in, uh, where it says in Titus 2 verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might de- redeem us from all iniquity. Redeem is ransom. And uh, when that is paid, you are free. He wants to redeem you, us from all iniquity. And you know what? If we're going to be redeemed from all iniquity, we must hate the sin. One of the evidences of true repentance. And purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Fruit and repentance. Fruits of repentance. Beautiful. No wonder it says in 2 Peter 3 verse 9, God is not slack concerning his problems, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Not willing that any should perish. Don't want anyone to perish, but all should come to repentance. Repentance. God bless you enjoying the life worthy of God's presence, enjoying repentance and the power that comes from it. God bless you.